This is an interesting story that I wanted to reach out to our friend Mubin Sheikh to tackle. He's a former CSIS operative and counterterrorism expert, helped him infiltrate the um, Toronto 18. And there is a story that the CBC is reporting on quite extensively. The headline is, when CSIS comes knocking amid reports of Muslim students uh, contacted by the spy agency, hotline aims to help. So there are creators of a University of Toronto-based student support line, and they say that the spy agency often goes on fishing expeditions, contacting their students out of the blue. Here to make sense of what this story is all about, we've got Mubin Sheikh on the line. Mubin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. The, what do you think the CSIS and the RCMP hope to gain by establishing communication with um, students that are of uh, their, their Muslims at our universities? Well, I think uh, the Muslim community themselves have a problem with denial when it comes to extremism and terrorism in the community. Uh, and, and there's a number of reasons for this, right? Post 9-11 environment, uh, hyper-surveillance, uh, these sorts of grievances that they have. And this is exactly what we're dealing with now. It's a grievance that they have against national security agencies, not realizing that the job of our public safety agencies is to talk to people, right? We don't, you know, they don't just take evidence out of the air. Uh, you have to actually go out and talk to people. Uh, you know, the RCMP are police. CSIS are not police. They don't have powers of arrest. They can't detain people. All they can do as civilians is just go out and talk to people. And what you're finding is, you know, some of these organizations, um, you know, they don't like that, right? They don't want uh, government agencies to talk to them even. And it's funny because on one hand, some of the advocacy groups want to claim that they are against extremism and terrorism, and they say in their public relations releases, you know, that we support, you know, we support counterterrorism efforts in Canada. But is that is that is that true? I don't think it is. Um, so really, my argument is that some of these people need to just, you know, uh, if look, if they're if they're that apprehensive, you have the right to get a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't force you to talk. So, I mean, there there are options available. But when when if the agency is trying to locate somebody, and that person is trying to hide from them, they're going to find you. And that's what I think a lot of people don't like, the fact that they can find you. Well, some of the students are saying, you know, they have nothing, you know, they, they aren't really known to CSIS, um, and they are they are being reached out to. Um, uh, in the CBC article, uh, there's a University of Toronto professor and a criminal lawyer that are both... Um, used uh, to you know to give some perspective here to the story and they say it's a hidden problem that few are willing to speak out about because of the stigma the interactions can leave students shaken wondering if they've done something wrong and what the consequences may be if they don't cooperate they say uh, could this practice of reaching out to muslim students backfire for the C- for CSIS? you know basically there's a loss of trust with the uh, authorities well you know trust goes both ways right i mean we can't expect uh, the agencies to, you know, locate individuals or or stop threats by themselves. Um, you know, the Muslim community has to cooperate as well. And many, in fact, do. All right. Many, in fact, do. Uh, and we're seeing two sides of it. Right. You have one side who are very open about who they are and what they do and what they believe. And it's not illegal. So they're fine to talk to CSIS because, I'm not doing anything wrong, so what do I have to be afraid of? 
On the other hand, you have, you know, student groups, especially advocacy groups, uh, who, I mean, it's a grievance-based narrative that they that they stick to, and that's what they're going to stick on. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to tell, you know, if really all I can say to them is that, you know what, uh, you know, if you're not doing anything illegal, if you're not if you're not an extremist or a terrorist, what what are you afraid of? Like, what's what's the problem? Why can't you cooperate like any citizen of this country? We would expect them to. Why can't you do that? So this is normal. Basically, CSIS would try and, you know, re- they'd identify a group that, you know, could uh, possibly be a, a threat in some way, shape or form. And then they try to establish a network of, of people within a group um, let's say it's a I, I, I don't even know what to uh, what to bring up, but and they they are they trying to create a homegrown set of informants so that you can keep your your um, ears open, your eyes open and say, oh, wait a minute. Uh, there is somebody that seems to be a bit amiss here. And and this is worrying and report back. Well, the, I mean, the only way that you're going to get human sources is by going out into the community and trying to recruit them, right? I mean, that, that's the only way that you're going to do it unless somebody comes voluntarily. Uh, but that's, you know, that's not, you know, regular, if you will, right? There are incentives for individuals to become sources, whether it's monetary or whatever else, or whether they're doing it from, you know, a religious perspective, which is like, listen, I'm a Muslim, I'm a Canadian, my, my religious obligation is to keep Canadians safe. Uh, so, uh, you know, most people don't have a problem with that, uh, but some people do. Right. And it's for whatever reason, I, I understand they can be apprehensive because of some bad cases or some bad media stories that come out against the public safety agencies. Uh, but at the end of the day, again, this is their job, right? CSIS's job is to go and talk to people. And if they if they don't, if, if you're, you know, obfuscating them and putting up obstacles in their way, well, then are you surprised that they're going to come looking for you at your workplace or at your in-laws place? I mean, they, they want to talk to you. And if you're trying to hide from them, what are you what are you telling them? Right. There's a, a one person that cited in this uh, article. He said he was approached by CSIS and they said, we want to inform you of the services that we provide. And um, let the, the, the example given was, let's say your parents get kidnapped in Pakistan and someone makes you do something here that you might not want to do at least you know that we're here an agent told him he said well that is so outside my realm of existence seemed like they were trying to get information on anything really what would put you on CSIS's radar well again this is the thing people mistake two things right one is just them asking questions doesn't mean you're on a list doesn't mean that you're being investigated uh, and it seems like let's let's use that as an example. I mean, the the supposed uh, the claim that the person makes. I mean, uh, you know, if if they're saying to you, we want to make you, we want you to know what we do, isn't that their job? Shouldn't the people know what their job is instead of saying, oh, I'm not going to talk to you. I don't want anything to do with you. I mean, that's a hostile approach. That's that's not helpful to Canadian national security. And it makes the community look bad. This is what bothers me more than anything else. It makes the community look bad. You cannot be getting on radio shows and TV shows and saying we support counterterrorism efforts when, in fact, you don't. You're you know, saying because, they're, they, you know, this is people that are trying to isolate themselves and stay away. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Not just that. They're telling other people. They're obfuscating the work of public safety agencies. They're telling them, don't talk to these people, you know, put up a wall, put up an obstacle. 
And you know how, how do you how do you, these groups, you know Muslim advocacy groups or whatever they call themselves, how do you go on TV claiming you're against terrorism and you support these efforts when in fact you don't? This kind of two-facedness doesn't help either of us. Moving this um, article that I was talking about with the uh, uh, that the CBC wrote. Um, you actually posted it and tweeted it out, and you said, alternative description, how some Canadian Muslims don't want to help national security whatsoever and make it as hard as possible for security intelligence to get any information. This follows what the other Islamist groups do in the UK. What kind of response have have you had after tweeting this out? Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's like a lure, too, right? As soon as I put something like that out, uh, the the usual responses will come, right? And uh, again, somebody like me who was undercover in the Toronto 18 case, uh, these same people believed that, that that case was entrapment. They thought it was a hoax, right? Yesterday we heard, you know, a Fox News guy talking about how he believes white supremacy, the threat of white supremacy is a hoax. And what's funny is I'm seeing on the conservative sides uh, the same kind of narratives, right? It was entrapment, and, you know, 13 years later, after the arrest, I mean, you know, five legal hearings over four years, an overwhelming amount of of evidence pointing to their guilt, uh, they they still think this. So, I mean, what are you supposed to believe about a community who, who holds these conspiracy theories and refuses to acknowledge uh, court evidence, can you take them, you know, as a credible source of information? I I don't think so. So you're not trying to vilify uh, the community. You're just trying to say we need open lines of communication. Well, you know, look, I want to make it clear, too, that uh, when I said this already, there are many, many individuals, Muslims who, who are Canadians, who cooperate with with public safety agencies, whether it's, listen, they come to you and they say, hey, you know, do you know this guy? And they show you a picture of this person. You know, if you know the guy, you should say, yeah, I know the guy. And and if if that person is under investigation for whatever X, Y, Z, maybe the person that Jesus just came to, they have no idea what that guy is doing in, in, you know, in secret in the dark hours of the night. And, and so you should just say so. But if you do know about an individual and you have not come forward to the authorities and the authorities come up with your name somehow because that guy is calling you or there have been text messages back and forth between, they're going to show up at your door and they're going to ask, hey, what's going on? Right. So it's a catch-22 on, in, on one hand with the community because, you know, some of them do cooperate, but some don't cooperate. Right. And it shows a bad message. Uh, and and the other side of the uh, I think the equation is that uh, look maybe uh, you know CSIS and the RCMP they need to let the communities know what exactly they do right I mean the RCMP collects evidence for criminal prosecution CSIS collects intelligence for information purposes so we can be aware and avoid any catastrophe any threat from occurring you need to be out in front of it and that's CSIS's job. That's right. Their job is to talk to people. And like I, I keep saying, I mean, these advocacy groups cannot claim that they support counterterrorism and put up walls uh, for CSIS and the RCMP. That, that just doesn't work. I got to leave it at that, movement. but it's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kelly.